Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. North Carolina-based deathcore band Sajin released their second album this year on January 7th. This happened to be the first album I heard this year that was released in 2023, and to my delight, it was right up my alley. Compared to their first album, Sajin hits harder, faster, and more brutally in all the right ways. It is my pleasure to speak with Stephen Hegarty, the band's guitarist and original mastermind behind Sajin, and Ryan Vale, the band's vocalist. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Much appreciated. It's uh, pretty late where you guys are, so thank you for taking this time out of your sleep schedule. Yep. <laughs> Caffeine helps. That's true. I'm having a coffee myself. Stephen, I read in a previous interview that Riparian originally started as a solo project and morphed into Sajin because you wanted to essentially start fresh with a full band. So what was the reason behind this? Um, yeah, it started out kind of just, you know, back then I couldn't really find members that, you know, either liked the music or could play the, the material and stuff. So the, um, I released a, an album called uh, Tides of Succession and had a local vocalist throw vocals on it and everything. And then um, when Jordan, uh, the lead guitarist, when he joined, he was like, man, we have to like, we have to find people. We got a gig. We got to go do shows and stuff. This music's just like, it's so good. We got to do it. So after that, we found Derek on the drums and then we, again, couldn't find the right members and stuff. And so we released Mammoth and hoping we'd learn some, some talent and that led us to Ryan and then shortly after to uh, Henry the bassist. Okay. So when you did kind of change over to Sajin, actually, sorry, before that Riparian was originally listed as like groove slash death metal. And it seems like you guys have taken a, a different approach to your music as well, like completely changing the sound. Was that something that you originally intended or was that something that just happened with the addition of new members? Um, it's kind of it's a mix of both because uh, the deathcore vibes definitely come straight from Ryan. Um, vocally, they're just they're so intense and insane and right up uh, that alley. And never back when I started, I was, I, I wasn't even a death deathcore fan, but now it's like I feel like the, the vocals are just perfect for the music. Um, and the music kind of just evolved over time as I got into different bands and stuff. The songwriting kind of just changed stuff like that yeah i was gonna say that you guys it seems that you guys have moved into like your own individual sound and moving forward what are some of the aspects of your music music that you're looking to focus on and are there any aspects that you feel uh should you should further change um yeah uh i i do think that we have our own unique style now um so it'd probably just be a matter of pushing what we think sounds good trying to get better at our instruments, all of us, and just trying to really put out something fresh and, and new. It definitely worked on Roots of Proctor. Thank you. Sajin originally took form in approximately 2020. Am I correct in saying that? Um, it was right before we, I think it was right before we started recording Mammoth. Um, there was another band up in somewhere a similar name to Riparian, but they spelled it with a uh, an I, and I was just kind of. It was a mix of like, man, we do have like. It's not just me anymore. We have more members, Derek and Jordan. Um, I mean, just like let's start fresh. We'll have a new name, something that matters a little bit more to all of us, and and then we we found the word Sage and and uh, 
it's it's a it's it's a type of um, folklore like story storytelling and our albums are all about telling a story each one has its own story so we thought it fit and looked mm. cool and stuff I was actually going to bring that up a little bit later but that's a perfect time so do you guys tend to focus on like historical events or is it a mix between historical events and like fictional events both nice yeah it's it's both it's kind of like I mean tides was all fictional mammoth was you know could have happened some in some ways and then uh and then ruse was kind of a, a loose retelling of the witch trials and and why they happen and stuff okay why did you choose the witch trials ryan i'm assuming this would be more up your alley uh so i technically don't think i i think that that idea was already birthed before i joined steven has this brain that maps things out years now like we already have the next two stories kind of already in the talks um so when when he brought it to me um obviously on on roots of proctor i i wrote the lyrics um and so he kind of gave me the task and it gave me something to really look into there's so many sub stories when it comes to the salem witch trials whether it's you know all you know the bishop or uh or giles and and all these different names that either you know people got brutally killed or just names that were you know uh high on the radar in the town of salem at the time so it gave me a ton to research and i was able to kind of just use my own creativity on how i wanted to take it um when it came to actually writing it um i i wanted to go off of a storyline but also keep it open um keep it open for interpretation a little bit um i think part of our goal and even our genre and style that we're formulating um you know we have a hard time saying what genre we are um so we, we like to have people think you know we you know when i first heard the band what made me really want to like reach out and be like hey i love your guys's material was i could just hear like that groove element and like this progressive style and i was like all right that's cool and then we joined in we started you know collaborating and uh, next thing you know, we're doing like a technical groove core. And, you know, I, I, I kind of like that. It's like, you don't really see that, um, you know, a lot of death core and bands like that, it's all breakdown and, you know, hit the mosh pit, which we certainly love and we certainly want that, but we want to do it in almost, I won't say a more sophisticated way, but in a more like modern root way of like having it based on rhythm and and riff centric letting the guitars speak in uh, an art form where guitars are starting to kind of sit back and be more of just a noise instrument rather than the main instrument so we, we want to bring those things in to kind of get back to your question when it comes to like the the story um it's a mixture of thinking about all those things thinking about what are the words we want to say what are the feelings we want to share what is the listener going to think afterwards and what is the experience that's going on, whether you're in headphones or, or listening to a live show. Um, so it's definitely a mixture of all that. We're all very thought out. We all have a lot of different styles, but it's all about combining all of our crazy ideas, pulling them back, restricting them, and then putting it together for a presentation. And I think that presentation was Roots of Proctor. So, Can I add to that sure. quick? Um, also, just having stories helps me write, like trying to like take what's happening in the song story-wise and emulate that through music. And it's actually really cool in Bishop, Ryan does the same thing where one of the screams, if I'm not mistaken, is is literally someone being hanged. Is that the one right at the end? 
So yeah, yeah that was insane. Yeah. So I don't want to jump, jump back and forth, but just, just kind of using that song as an example, um, a lot of what you're hearing um, that I tried to do is the way a lot of the lyrical structures are. There's almost a conversation between good and bad in every song. And a lot of times when you hear more of a high pitched, it'll be the bad. And when you hear more of the low, it's actually the the heart and like the good of the town of Salem. So it's these small things that when people start to read the lyrics and look and listen, they'll start to notice those. And Bishop was a uh, interesting story. You know, it's, it's about a lady that ends up getting hung. And uh, I wanted it to be like making a sound that could really build up because that, that that whole ending section is just so badass. Uh, you know, you have you kind of have like this little breakdown thing. I do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that. You know, we start getting that rhythmic charge. Um, and so that part, I just wanted to be like, all right, if I was if I was like an overdramatic person dying and I wanted the world to know how much hate I had for them and how wrong it was, it'd be coming out pretty contorted. So um, actually performing that and recording that was interesting. Um, you know, it's using head motion instead of just, you know, using your tongue in a certain way. It's actually using your head motion to get the sound. Um, and interesting. I, yeah, I hadn't seen a lot of people, if anyone, really doing that. Um, so it's something that I was just messing around with one day. I was like, all right, I'm going to add it to a part. And then just struck me like, oh, that would be the perfect way for somebody that's dying, struggling, you know, in the noose to, to make some form of sound. And then the, you know, the longer hold gargly sound that that I make, that's more of this the air dying out and, and, and going from there. So love, uh, it was fun. <laughs> My wife didn't love, like-, like it when I was tracking it, though. <laughs> I like the way that you use your your lows and your highs as like almost a dichotomy between the two um, perspectives. That's a really cool take on it. it. Adds a whole new layer of depth. Definitely, definitely. I, I'm I'm big. Um, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, so uh, I'm big on storytelling and um, telling two sides of a story. Um, whether that's the way you mix something and something hits a left, right, and you're getting different things going on. I think music, especially metal, is all about telling a story to the listener, and um, for, for, for me, it's, you know, I'm always kind of thinking that, like, how can I build a storyline in the song? Because some people will just watch a wrestling match and it's just two dudes or, or women beating each other up, but they don't realize what they're really doing inside of it. Mm. So that makes sense. <laughs> totally. And Ryan, you also write with a lot of, like, first-person perspectives. So, like, I and you sentences. Is that something that you consciously did or is that just kind of how your storytelling manifested itself? Um, a lot of it uh, goes down to we're talking about specific characters. And I want to be in their perspective, um, you know, so being able to say whether I'm talking about this person that we think is a witch or I am the person that's being accused, I want to be able to kind of work that out in a sense. Um, and for this album, that's just kind of how things are rolling. I tell Stephen, I don't even remember writing a lot of it. Um, what I do is I just kind of get in these zones and uh, I think a lot of creative people do this they'll, they'll get in like these hyper-focused zones where stuff just happens words go on paper guitars you know riffs are written and recorded and tracked and you kind of just get in these they zones go out, they go out of my head. yeah so <laughs> to me it's like I, I use different lightings in my room when i write um and then when it comes to actually writing it's more of just like whatever fits the part for the sound and then putting words that make sense And I'm sure a little bit comes from which perspective you're taking at that time, too. 
without a doubt without a doubt you know that the especially in the witch trials there were so many um in our form of the witch trials for sure there's there's a lot of bad that happened and a lot of energy going between you know antagonists and protagonists and, and and these characters so being able to dissect that especially having them go back and forth a little bit it, it becomes confusing so definitely um something i felt like adding i guess never really thought about it though <laughs> good question yeah Stephen, you noted that the album cover was done by AI Art, and this was also accompanied by a different image for each of your songs. Uh, which program did you use for that? Uh, I believe the the Brian guy who made uh, the front and back cover. Uh, it was one of the it was one of the bigger ones. Uh, I'm blanking on the the name. Um, maybe Front Frontier something. I'm not sure, but uh, the. Uh, the single artworks were all through an app called Dream. Some of those were just, you know, we'd, we'd come up with a prompt, put it in, see if we could get something that caught the vibe of it. Uh, one of them, I, I'm not sure which one exactly. We actually took an image from uh, Google of, I think this was a Presta. Presta, yeah. Um, an actual image of it happening and uh, put it in and they used that as a reference and then we kind of got a a little thing yeah the, the whole ai thing it's it's interesting uh ai is like exploding every week whether it's you know that gpt and all this stuff you know I, i'm seeing um so much about it and it, it gave like there's a you know a lot of people that hate it you know it takes like the the true art format of designs for us it was more about just the product and having accessibility to tons of options when it, it came to each artwork man i don't know how many we were sending back and forth to each other. I mean, our chats were like, I mean, miles long. I mean, we're, we're looking through so many different generated photos and, and half of them, like one stupid, th some of these look horrible though. And I'll tell you that some of these look absolutely miserable. I don't know how some of these people, you know, some people are getting really good at it. And, and I think there's a lot of money in taking AI work and, and adjusting it to make it fit even better, like fine tuning. Um, I think a lot of people are getting skilled at that. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, part of me didn't love it because, um, you know, we're artists. We, we, we appreciate artists. I, I, I love seeing somebody that can hand draw something and it's crazy. But at the end of the day, we felt like we were able to put expression and feel of the song in the art that we chose. So it, it just made sense. And, and we're definitely happy with the outcome you touched on a few different topics there that i'm glad that you did uh, a couple things that i'm going to be mentioning is obviously kind of the controversy with it the accessibility and also being able to bring your own imagination forward so for me one of the reasons i like playing around with ai art is because i can't draw worth the shit <laughs> and so if i'm able to put down certain prompts and stuff like that it can kind of flush out the idea i'm coming uh, i'm trying to come up with but part of the problem like you said is a lot of my stuff that i've tried it just looks absolutely fucking terrible so how did you guys <laughs> narrow that down and how, how did you guys learn which prompts to use a lot of trial and error a lot of it i mean <laughs> it was using different words i'm like i we, we need a little bit darker and then use yeah. the word dark in there and then next thing you know it looks completely <laughs> opposite of what we're looking for so i mean i i think it, i mean it's a lot of guesswork and just having the time to sit there and get 
pissed over and over again because it's looking stupider and stupider. And then all of a sudden <laughs> you do something and it's like, that's it, I think. And then we you know, yeah. go from there. And then you don't remember what you did. Yeah. For each song, I probably sent the guys like 30 to 40 different images. And a lot of the group stuff, like I'd send it in groups at a time, like eight or nine pictures, but they'd all be kind of the same thing with the same prompt and whatever. And each one took like, I don't know, 30 seconds to render. So it took, it took, it doesn't a long sound time. like a long time, and but Brian I had would be like, can you make it blue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking trying. at it. I'm looking at it and the way it's formatted, you have like lines. So I'd have to go in line a C I like that one. And then I also like E, you know, like just going down, trying to code exactly which one that, yeah. that, that we liked. So yeah, it was, it was a process. It's a, there's more work to it. You know, maybe we're lazy. Yeah, we're probably lazy, but I'll have to say it's it's useful. So I'd have to agree with that. Part of the controversy is, like you guys said, that um, it's taking away from artists being able to do their thing, essentially. I agree with that, and I don't. I don't think this will truly take over like artists. I don't think it'll make that much of a dent. I also kind of understand when people are just trying to put out a product that um, that kind of flushes out the ideas that they're like thinking of, if that makes sense. So how do you guys kind of feel about that? I know you touched on a little bit earlier, but do you think it will actually change the landscape of how artists do their job? I, I saw a, a post on Facebook recently that was like, man, why are we making all this AI to do the creative things? Like, why don't we make AI to do all the, the work so we don't have to work and we can be creative? And I was like, yeah, but yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, we, I think we, I think we were actually talking to a, an artist about drawing a painting like a big artist but painting one for us and then i think we decided you know what let's put that money towards in a music video and then like i think like the next yep. day i found the the brian guy he posts like 20 to 30 different pictures like every day and i was just going through them and i was like do you guys like any of these what about this one and, and then we we're like yeah let's do that because it is way way cheaper buying AIR. I think we got both for um, 80 bucks or something. The other guy, the, the painter was like, I think he was like either 800 or 1400 or something, one of those numbers. So I think it's tricky. I do think it's a good outlet for creativity, um, but I don't think it's going to take away like work from, you know, quote unquote real artists and stuff. But I would say, um, to add to that and just kind of go a little bit further outside of the box of just like album art, um, songwriting, you can go on that GPT right now and have it write a song for you. Uh, you give it a topic. If you would like to say, Hey, write this song in the key of G, uh, and utilize this note and this note in this form in this style, and it will literally map it out for you. Now, Right now, it just got rolled out. It's not perfect yet. And, you know, it brings a lot of errors and stuff. But that tech is going to get better and better. And I think long term, um, AI is going to be taking over a lot um, when it comes to, like, technical side of things. Um, coding, for instance, you can do right through AI right now. I don't know anything about coding, but I could ask the computer to, and it knows a lot. Um, so I think when it comes to... I think we're going to be able to see a difference, though. I think there's an authenticism when it comes to being a creative and, and, and writing quality material. And I think when it comes to bringing it back to us, having 
the small details in our music that really stick out, you know, whether it's the form that we write or what we use with vocal ranges and, and character telling and riffs and, and, and such, those will always stick out, I believe. And I think that will kind of be able to tell you, I mean, we all know a few pop artists where it's generic and it's written to sell and it's probably lab produced by some robot somewhere and it's probably not even the vocalist singing. You know, we can, <laughs> we can all joke about that, but you know, that stuff's already been happening in some sense, but everyone can really tell uh, like a true musician when you, when you hear them, I think. I'd have to agree in that aspect too, because you have a lot of people that put out kind of shit lyrics and it seems like it's, it's like you said, made in a lab. So what's the difference between that and AI? If a computer is doing it versus if a team of writers are doing it for you just to sell records, what's what's the difference? Not, not much. I, you know, I, I definitely think, like for me, um, I find it easy to write bad lyrics at times, um, especially in metal, man. Metal can be so cheesy. Um, and we love it, of course, you know, like especially when you, if it's a phrase before breakdown, you know, or the whole blah thing, you know, everyone, it's, it's really easy to, to, get that low hanging fruit. So um, I always give it to the people and, 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 you know, the bands that I look up to that, you know, are able to recreate the, the wheel and something that's been done many times for many years. So I think a lot of people are missing part of the positive of AI art too, because if you're a band that's just starting out, like for you guys, for example, you're on your second album, I would rather the musicians put that money towards their music and putting out their product rather than putting it towards an artist and then producing shit. Sure. Definitely. Moving on to a little bit more of the more stereotypical questions. Uh, since I couldn't find this info anywhere uh, before we recorded, who are some of your biggest musical influences? Okay, I'll start. Um, for me, and when it comes to musical, I, I'm going to start, I'm going to say this in, in, in three parts, I should say. Um, early childhood, Kiss was my favorite band. Uh, Gene Simmons was my thing. Some of my earliest home videos are me you know, sticking the tongue out. Um, and, and that stemmed from my dad. My dad was a vocalist um, when I grew up. Uh, so, you know, I was listening to that, you know, Kiss, System of a Down, uh, Alice in Chains, like a weird mixture of music, you know, when I was really young in, in, in the mid-90s. Um, and then growing up, you know, getting into, um, you know, my first concert was Iron Maiden. And, you know, being able to see the skill that metal could could bring. Um, and, and later, I remember first time i heard job for a cowboy i was like whoa that's pretty cool and then the first time i heard suicide silence i'm like oh that's really cool and then and then i heard some rap music i was like all right that's kind of cool but you know metal always always brought it for me when it comes to nowadays um you know my, my music taste jumps all around you know whether it's listening to um you know lorna shore is like an easy one for for any metal extreme vocalist nowadays well ramos is 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 changing the game but um finding bands that you know bring in some of our roots you know gojira um bands that bring in this full scope of like musicianship and rhythm but then being able to you know bring you know shadow of intent bendor his his voice is oh, amazing insane. Um, absolutely insane so I, t I take i take a lot of influence from from a lot of the modern deathcore guys but um you know like Rand randy blythe from from lamb of god man i mean he is my um, he is my building block for metal vocals. Um, he's he's like where I start and then expand on. Um, I definitely wouldn't be involved in metal vocals if it wasn't for for Randy and Lamb of God. So, 
little all over the place for you, but a lot of different genres, a lot of different types of bands, so that's cool. Um, for me, it's kind of similar. Like I grew up listening to a lot of different type of stuff. Um, I didn't get into to metal until I was probably in like middle school. Uh, before that, I mean, my I hear some pop music, but my my family is pretty religious, so it was a lot of um, Christian music. But there were a lot of like good punk and rock bands that my brother would listen to. So um, bands like Reliant K and Audio Adrenaline and uh, other bands like that. But when I was in middle school, I got really big into classic rock, and so I, then I got a guitar. Tried to learn every solo and stuff, stuff like that. Um, and then my buddy turned me on to, you know, the new metal that was kind of around then. That was pretty big, like Korn and Slipknot and Linkin Park. Um, but then I discovered Metallica on uh, either Rock Band or Guitar Hero, whichever one uh, Ride the Lightning was on. And I was like, whoa, what is this? So I had a huge Metallica phase and Juice Priest. And um, then I got really big into Lamb of God in college. And then I got big into Gojira, bands like Decapitated. Kind of like kept getting more and more extreme. Um, Silosis is another big influence for me now. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, just a lot of good, um, interesting bands. Hmm. Like Ryan was saying, Gojira, I mean, they just, they have this just immersive sound and it, it's so unique. So I always love that. Um, I always do a lot of different, they always make fun of me because I'll, I'll try to play like 90s music, like like Smash Mouth and even boy bands like Backstreet Boys and Sync, And they're yeah, like, yeah. no. <laughs> even at the, at our release party, Eric was like, hey, do you have something to add to the, the playlist? I was like, yeah, put on a, on Backstreet Boys and he was like okay never mind <laughs> so that and then like 20 minutes later there was this like just ridiculous slap bass going on Probably and, I don't bad. know who that band was but it was, it was nuts yeah uh, but yeah that's, I, I listened to a bunch of different stuff from like I listened to stuff from the, the 30s up like big band jazz stuff like that yep music from the 50s rock and roll 60s 70s pretty much just everything the natural, all over yeah. the place I don't really like reggae, and I don't really like... I don't listen to a lot of rap anymore. Um, um, I'll definitely... I think he's, he brought up one thing that I definitely want to note, and I think it's it's generational for, you know, our age group, I think. You know, I'm only 26. Um, but growing up playing Guitar Hero and Rock Band um, was amazing for bands to be able to get onto those games. Um, I think video game, it's kind of a lost art in a sense now. Um, video games, man, I remember I was playing, uh, I think it was a wrestling game, uh, and Three Days Grace was all over, and I was like, who are these guys? And next thing you know, it's like, I'm going to get this music out of my head, and, and I'd remember it for the, for the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, playing Guitar Hero and, and all that, it was so good for young musicians or people that were, you know, wanted to get involved in music at the time. Um, even though I was probably better at guitar hero than I was ever at guitar. Um, but, uh, you know, when it came to the music, um, I loved it. I loved it. Um, being able to just like hear 
I, I became almost a, a mini historian of music because I was hearing, you know, Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne. All right, I'm going to see who wrote that and, and, and who played the guitar there. And then I'm going to learn deeper about, you know, Lita Ford randomly. And then I'm going to, you know, so it, it really like opened your perspective to history. And, and, and from there, you know, that's like laid to rest by Lamb of God, man. Like that, that absolutely blew, blew my mind when I heard that. And I'm, you know, playing it and, you know, failing. But, um, I really think guitar here on rock band was huge for bands. And I, I wish, I wish it was had that impact to this day. And I think they'll, they'll find a way of getting that type of thing happening again, hopefully. But it just became oversaturated. Definitely. Mm-hmm. definitely. I like that you touched on guitar hero because not only did that, that video game do very well for kind of increasing the exposure for bands, but something like the grand theft auto series also did a really good job because they had different radio stations that you could listen oh, yeah. to with a lot of well-known and unknown groups on it. So that's kind of how I got into some of my heavier music. St. Row two i think that got me on to um they had as they lay dying i think they had uh three inches of blood they had uh mice and men they had a great rock metal station um and then even going back to like final fantasy 7 which is my favorite the riff dude i learned that right away it was awesome I mean, video games were amazing for for music and stuff. Halo. One of my favorite soundtracks was uh, Brutal Legend. Oh yeah, oh, I haven't played that. That's the biker biker musician one or something. Uh, I can't Jack, quite Jack Black, it. right? Jack Black, right? Yeah. Yeah, Jack Black. Yeah. That game was awesome, dude. That soundtrack is it's amazing. Amazing. I want to move back just a little bit, Stephen. You were talking about some of the first bands you really got into, and you said Reliant K. And did you say Audio Adrenaline? I did, yeah. That's interesting. So when I was in junior high, I had a friend who tried to convert me to Christianity because I've always kind of considered myself an atheist. And so he took me to this concert thinking this would be the end all be all. And it was audio adrenaline. And they started talking about God in between their songs and stuff. Like good performance, good music. I enjoyed it. But then when I started questioning him, I said, well, like, how do you know that your religion's right? And all the other religions that's ever existed weren't. And he's like, because it's right. And he just couldn't answer any of my questions. So from that moment forward, I was completely against religion interesting yeah. I didn't, and he gives me like a copy of his uh, of a bible for my birthday and stuff and i'm just like dude this is not how to do it <laughs> it kind of sucks because audio adrenaline was kind of like they were like a punk rock like band they weren't they were they were christian um and the, the market was great for for bands like that like the more the heavier rock type stuff but now it's like i'm pretty sure they just do like worship music now which is kind of i don't know because i liked a lot of their stuff back then and uh, hawk nelson was like punk rock but i think they they did the same thing maybe i don't know i think uh it's kind of like it's it's like the thing that like metal bands transition to like rock station music it's the same thing with those bands they were like you know punk rock stuff but then now they're worship music. i think you noticed there's almost like a trend in the like the ohio uh metalcore scene back in like 2008 uh into you know the 2010s maybe a little bit earlier than that too um but you had a lot of these like christian bands that were you know screaming and you know uh doing all this stuff and it, that that type of like it almost like phased out in a way i think my, my favorite religious band is for today they were oh they were so good um i they to this day their music holds up uh, i wish they were still touring but i think i think a lot of those bands they reach a point where they become a little bit less angry world and uh you know they start maybe converting to actually going to church 
and <laughs> and uh maybe doing you know other other things but uh it is weird that you noticed that uh or that you know it seemed like it was a thing um that bands were, were doing at one point whether good or bad not really up to me or not that i really I care but does. yeah i think the devil wears prada is one of the, there's they... a bunch of bands in there i, I have i have no clue i kind of didn't really care i just a bunch of those type of bands around me where i'm from and you know they'd invite you to go to their show at the church and you're like well, this is an interesting setting for <laughs> screaming <laughs> it's like what are you doing what are you <laughs> obviously metal is known for it's like dark sometimes nihilistic violent the lyrics how do you guys feel about religious metal for example like a band like mortification so i i actually i mentioned this in um another interview i was doing you know people would be like oh well the band's awesome but you know i can't really vibe with the with the lyrics because i'm not i'm not a christian or anything so i can't really get into them but it's like i mean do you vibe with cannibal corpse lyrics <laughs> exactly like, is, is the content really that important to you that you're not going to listen to the band like you you listen to other death metal bands that like talk about torturing killing raping yeah. murdering people and you can get with that vibe but it's like you can't listen to a band because the lyrics are you know religious based it, i don't know that's, that's yeah i mean i i, I, I totally definitely agree. i i agree with that 100 percent. it's like you know at the end of the day i vibe with with musicians that are really good musicians and um you know i i'm i'm, op I'm open to, to anyone's beliefs as long as they're not really pushing it on me it's my choice to listen to the music at the end of the day um and you know, I was I was always completely fine with that. I'd go to a Fort Today concert and, and jam, jam with them, you know, no problem. Um, but yeah, I, I I definitely agree. I I think there's a lot of growing up in music. There's a lot of growing up in metal. Um, there's easy sells where you can make the brutalist, you know, lyrics in the world. But you know, I'm I'm starting to really like the bands that can have more of a positive, uplifting outlook. You know, the Ghost Inside is one of my favorite bands and. And man, like they, they, they just bring some really good lyrics at times that, you know, can pick you up. It's not just about, you know, I'm going to drown you in the water. You know, it's <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to lift you up and overcome, you know, like that type of stuff is is cool. You know, um, and I think the older I get the more like that. But at the end of the day, I do want to hear something a little gnarly. So always, always all, all around the block. It's funny you say that because on tides there's a song called fill the lake where the guy keeps drowning people and just leaving them <laughs> <in the lake. laughs> but, but i mean one band i'd love to see is striper yeah i mean they're they like you know hair metal glam metal whatever but dude i'd, I'd love to go see them i almost did, but I did what happened um they they were coming to they're coming around here, but I think I had to go somewhere or something. <laughs> That's quite specific. <laughs> I was supposed to see Metallica, but I didn't go see that either. Uh, Back on the Death Magnetic tour. Mm. It's funny because I would have I would have found they were touring with Lamb of God and Gojira. Yeah. And I didn't know I didn't know them at the time. So if I had gone, I would have found them both of my you know two of my favorite bands earlier. Actually, kind of interesting that you touched on that too, because when they toured with their Hardwired tour, they to Metallica toured with Avenged Sevenfold and Gojira. Um, so I wanted to see them. And the night before that, I live in Calgary. Um, three hours north to us is Edmonton, and then around three hours north of that is going to be Fort McLeod, 
or sorry, Fort McMurray. And so the first night it was actually Lamb of God, Slayer and Behemoth. And the next day was Gojira, Avenged Sevenfold and Metallica. So me and my cousin did like a three day road trip and it was, it was fucking incredible. It was great. A great weekend for sure. So when you guys originally picked up your instruments, how old were you? And well, obviously Ryan for you, it's vocals, but how old were you and how did you guys learn? Um, so for me, uh, I'd say from, from an early age, you know, I, I tried singing along because my dad was a, a vocalist and obviously I didn't really start singing, but um, I was in fifth grade when I started to play guitar. I taught myself how to play guitar. Um, and then by the time I was in middle school, um, my brother and my, my buddy David, who I consider a brother as well, um, we, we started a thrash metal band and, and I was lead guitar and, and did vocals. And and it was great because you could you could you saw my puberty right in, right in front of your ears you could say um and man <laughs> did it hurt <laughs> um yeah you know doing i went from you know singing pretty high pitch like motley crew style vocals uh and then you know seven months later it's like sounds like a you know chalkboard you know and uh but yeah i was right through there and then i started playing a little bit of everything I uh, started getting into um, harsh vocals a little bit then too. Um, that's when I was listening to, you know, Mice and Man, Attack, Attack, uh, Confide at the time, uh, a bunch of a bunch of that like metalcore um, music at that time. And um, I wanted to do the screams. I just couldn't do them yet. Um, and so me, my brother and I used to uh, drive home from our friend's house and he would he'd put on um, of Mice and Men's first album that they, that they put out when, when Austin Carlisle left Attack, Attack and formed of Mice and Men. And I remember I'd be sitting there and I'd be trying to do the screams and he would do some of the highs. I mean, the, the, the cleans and, uh, and we sounded like shit, but, uh, you know, it takes sounding like shit for a while to, to somehow start making these weird sounds that we call screams. So, um, that's, that's kind of my story. I'd say. Uh, I went over, I would, my buddy, my childhood friend, uh, he played guitar and I went over there in like eighth grade probably kind of when i started getting into the new metal stuff and uh <clears throat> i was like hey can i play that and liked it eventually my dad got me a guitar the same year like three months later i was playing the uh the solo for from ride the lightning over at my friend's house just along in his room because that was literally all i did is try to learn solos and then his dad came in and he's like was that you I was like, yeah, I've been practicing. So that was probably eighth grade. And then I used to be able to play drums. I kind of suck now, but whenever Guitar Hero Metallica came out, I, I learned drums through that, and it was awesome. But that was so long ago, and I lost access to a kit probably like, I don't know, 10 years ago. So I, I haven't been playing drums at all. And we'll be at practice, and I'll go jump on the kit for a little bit, and then I'm like, dude, I suck now. <laughs> Uh, that's it for me with, with music. Um, I played trumpet and band in middle school, but I hated it. <laughs> I, I stick to guitar. and um, Yeah. Are you currently endorsed by LTD Guitars? <clears throat> no, that'd be awesome, though. Okay, so that's just what you use, then? Yeah, the only guitars I have are LTD now. Okay. I love them. I had a, a EC Rich, but I, I just sold it to a guy, actually. Which was crazy because when I got there, he noticed there was a crack on the, the, the wood on the back, which I didn't know about. 
And I was like, shoot. He was like, well, can you go any lower? I was like, yeah, 15 bucks lower. <laughs> he was like, okay. Because he actually, he um, he knows how to like work on guitars and stuff. And he said it, it probably was maybe a crack in the finish and not in the actual wood. So it worked out. But yeah, all LTDs. I love them. They're cheap, but they're they're quality. So. I know we touched on this a little bit, and you guys have mentioned some of your favorite bands kind of growing up. So currently, who are some of your favorite bands, and what genres do you guys stick to? Uh, I'm I'm big into into deathcore right now. Um, like I like I mentioned, Shadow of Intent, Lorna uh, of Sulfur, um, Signs of the Swarm. Uh, I've been kind of dabbling in hardcore as well. Um, Incendiary is one of my one of my bands that I love listening to from from that that New York area. Um, you know. I, I knocked loose is one of those bands where it's like didn't love the vocalist for a long time uh but it's like their stuff hits hard uh their stuff really hits hard so i've I've been been listening to to them a little bit recently um and and also um just kind of like digging deeper in in the roots of you know our genres you know going back listening to um you know, like as I lay dying tracks that were recorded forever ago and like seeing like how things have changed. I, I definitely, definitely do that. But at the death core is on a different level right now. And, you know, brand to sacrifice another band, um, uh, dark OUS Hellface. Like I, like I could, I could go off, like everyone is bringing a, such a unique sound and, and everyone's trying to top each other. And, you know, we're just trying to do something a little bit different, but, um, yeah, it's an interesting time in music. Uh, I'm a little different. I, For me, it's kind of like I'll, I'll find one band every now and then. I'll get super into them. And then a lot of the other bands, I'll just like like one song. And I don't know. I haven't found a newer band since like Gojira was probably like the last one. Well, maybe Silosis. But even them, I still need to listen to more of their stuff because I don't know. But I did. I, I started to listen to more uh, As I Lay Dying. Who I, you know, I was in high school. I, I kind of I was big into thrash metal and groove metal and Pantera and um, Metallica and stuff. So, so all those bands, all the metalcore bands, I didn't really want to listen to or, or like or you know, I didn't even like scream vocals until Lamb of God. And then now I, you know, I love them. But um, I have been listening to a lot of Absolutely Dying and uh, I love Decapitated's new newer stuff. Um, I haven't been able to get much love into listening to like Lamb of God's new stuff or Gojira's new stuff. So, I don't know. I, I listen to a lot of 90s stuff when I'm like just listening to music. So, it, when it comes to metal. And I, I realized lately that I actually love Motley Crue. Yeah. I didn't didn't know that they would, they, like I'd hear the songs, I didn't know it was in. Oh, yeah. But I watched the, I watched the Dirt mm-hmm. on Netflix and I was like, Wait a minute! I love Motley Crue. What the heck? <laughs> that was a big surprise. But yeah, bands like that, and then I'm getting more into not so much tech death because a lot of like tech death, it's just it's too much running up and down scales and stuff for me. Because I I love like you know the hard like just something different about riffs where if it's too much sweeping, it's it's not really for me, but. Some of that, and then they actually Henry showed me Spite. Um, 
amazing. I have no idea this I like, but I like some of them. Brown Magnetar I think it's- is a huge mm-hmm. band. Be- best band I saw this past year, I think. Nice. Amazing. Switching gears just a little bit here, Ryan. You're fucking massive. Uh, so you're obviously a fan of powerlifting or bodybuilding. Yes. What's your normal regimen like? Oh, man. Um, so over the past, I'd say... Through two and a half years, three years, um, I focus. I've been trying to step away from competing per se in, in any strength sports because I get hyper focused on things. Um, been running my own business for the past uh two and a half years, and then jumping back into the music game. I took a long time off of music. Um, I wasn't really doing much until I reached out to Steven, um, the sage, and so when it, when it comes to the gym. Uh, I train six days a week, five days of strength training, one day of just conditioning, cardio, and, and recovery. Um, I coached people for a very long time, um, back in since 2015. Um, just coaching them how to power lift and and, and use bodies and and you know get the benefits of health and, and fitness. But biggest thing when it came to music and lifting was adrenaline release. That's that's half the reason why I write music is so i can go to the gym and and utilize what i crafted for the gym you know um being able to lift you know 400 500 600 700 plus pounds uh putting that strain on your body it it takes some level of adrenaline i do know people that just do it dead silent be careful of them they're the crazy mofos and uh (laughs) uh but yeah what i'd say is you know definitely staying a consistent schedule with that i'm I'm addicted I'll, i'll always work out no matter what um, and it helps me a little bit, uh, on stage, I would say when it comes to just being able to breathe, um, utilizing my diaphragm, um, when it comes to screaming and, and, and doing certain, certain sounds with your voice, all that's coming from your diaphragm. Um, and I think just my strength training has, has made that almost easier, the learning curve for me, just because I'm so used to activating it, um, through, you know, deadlifting, squatting and any movement, um, but yeah, definitely five, six days a week, always uh, one to two hours, a little bit of cardio. I like to eat, so I like to do a little bit of cardio that way. But my goal, I'm not a dad yet. Um, I don't have children, but my goal is to have a, a really nice muscular dad bod. Like that's, that's, that's the key for me. So. And you said you run your own company? Uh, so yeah, so um, I followed Rhino Rips. It's 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 a sports card. Basically, I, I'm my own company. Basically, um, I, I worked alongside two apps, uh, Loop the app and, and whatnot the app, and um, I sell sports cards. Um, and I oh, go, cool. I travel to to trade shows and, and do that. I'm actually transitioning right now. I, I actually just joined a, a different company, and I'll be taking on a, a bigger role, uh, doing something a little bit different. But I'm going to continue to do that on the side. But um, it gave me time and uh, gave me financial freedom to be able to. Um, really focus on this album and, and the other projects that I work on as well. And um, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, interesting field, I'd say collectibles and, and uh, get to nerd out every day, but still make money. So fun. You said that you like to eat and obviously there's a lot of fuel needed to lift that level of weight. So with running the business with music, whether it be practice gigs, touring, um, writing the new album, how do you keep up with your nutrition? And um if you looked at my nutrition back when I was competing in powerlifting, it's going to look a lot different than I am right now. Um, before, you know, 
some of the food I was eating was insane. Um, I did a strongman con- contest once, and my goal is to eat a whole large pizza every other day, uh, half, Jesus. half, half, half a like, you know, those big ice cream containers or like the advertised ice cream. At least half of those every day um, with Greek yogurt. Um, and that's on top of four meals. That's like a chicken or a beef with rice, uh, and hot sauce. Mm-hmm. That was, that was my key. Um, yeah, I got up to 270. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, then I dropped down weight just eating steak and steak, white rice, spinach, and carrots. Um, and I did have ice cream before bed. Every time I dropped down to 219 and, and competed and, and, and did pretty good, um, within a few months. So I, I loved the science behind what you can put in your body and, and what you put out mm-hmm. nowadays my, my schedule is a little bit different i wake up in the morning um, i'm somebody i can eat the same meals all the time uh, typically i just try to get a protein and a basic carb in my system um, i've had to adjust the way i eat a little bit I, i'm trying to lower um acidic foods in my diet uh this for mental health reasons um i've no i notice a big difference in my mental health when i um i'm not eating pizza and stuff all the time um but yeah i try not to just for anyone that's trying to really change the way they eat or lose weight or gain weight or be healthier is like eat the foods that that you really like just be smart really look into what you're eating track your food at least for one portion of your life so you understand what the heck you're eating because a lot of people will pull the can or, or grab something out of a box um you know the it's crazy right now they the u.s just redid the the food pyramid and they have like uh, fruity fruity pebbles and fruit loops above chicken breast when it comes to health importance with food <laughs> so what i would like to say is do your real research learn about food um youtube is awesome um there's a lot of amazing articles and resources online do not just listen to what somebody's trying to sell you though you will be sold all the time, real food as often as possible. And, and you'll probably feel a little bit better and might look a little bit better too. This might just be an assumption on my part, but I, I'm guessing that your perspective is that supplements definitely don't replace the food that you should be eating. Definitely not. Definitely not. And, and that just comes off of, you know, the way that your, your body digests. Um, I think having some form of like solid food in your system, a lot of it is, is based on digestion for me. Uh, that's where I found my most success is when I eat to digest optimally and on a schedule, I'm going to be able to create a baseline. That way, if I change anything, I can see why something happened. Um, so kind of being very methodical about it. Um, so supplements, supplements have their place for sure. You know, utilizing a protein shake, you know, creatine. Um, I've tried a ton, ton of supplements. Um, and I found that my best results is when I just kept it very basic and took out as many variables as possible so I could have trackable evidence or, or trackable, uh, you know, stats or numbers I could look at and say, all right, if I change this, this might have another result. Um, uh, just a lot of, a lot of thinking into it. I, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Consuming. Totally. When I was lifting heavy and going to the gym a lot more than I am now, one of the most important lessons I learned basically was just, form proper form was the most important thing for me so for you what would be the most important thing you could teach someone who's looking to get into weightlifting about weightlifting specifically learn how to do a bodyweight squat correctly um and and to me the reason why is being able to to utilize 
most muscular units instead of joints is, is, is the key. Um, as a personal trainer and uh, strength coach for, you know, years, you know, I've had hundreds and hundreds of fitness consultations. And that's the first thing I go over division one athletes, uh, athletes who, you know, knew what they were doing for a long time and uh, never had one person who could really squat correctly without putting their body in a, you know, tough position. Um, and the reason why it's important is because we all sit down to take a shit every day. Um, and we should, I think everyone's goal should be able to always be able to take a shit without using your hands to get down. That's my, that's my, my, you know, if you can learn how to do that, you have the base of everything. You utilize the most muscle. You learn how to stabilize. You learn how to stabilize your back, your core. You use the most compound movements are everything. You don't have to do these uh, booty work workouts where you're doing all these kickbacks and using bands. Learn the basic movements, whether you're using weights or not. You know, it's it's very very important. All right, gentlemen. So my last question for you tonight is: If somebody's looking for your music, where is the best place for them to find it for you guys? Me? Oh, <laughs> uh, I would say uh, definitely go to our social medias, Sajin underscore NC. I believe that's what it is. And then um, going to Bandcamp and Spotify. Um, but I'll definitely say this. Go to YouTube right now. Type in Sajin, S-A-G-E-N, and then put Crux right after that, C-R-U-X, and go watch our brand new music video. Garrett Barefoot did a killer job bringing our ideas, making them come to life. You get to see me look all contorted and 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 weird looking and and really putting myself out there and it's okay if you make fun of me that's all right it was fun as hell and and i definitely want everyone to see that steven's arms looked so nice in that video he's he was looking great looked in shape all of us you know we put a lot of time into that music video and that will give you the vibe and the idea of what we are delivering for the future uh whether you're going to catch us on, on on tour or or our up upcoming music that will give you a good idea of, of what we are delivering and uh, and who we are. Awesome. Gentlemen, I want to thank you again for joining me. And uh, I guess I'll let you get to your night because now it's just after 11 o'clock there. Appreciate it, man. Anytime, anytime. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.